0: this is the coolest show brought to you by hip-hop caucuses think 100
1: it's the coolest show you know keep the culture connected. it's the coolest show you know in your ear yeah respect the expert level information entertainment education rev here we got you covered as you hit your destination climate rules everything around me cream for those who lost focus close your eyes and just train open your third eye now the world is your off coolest coolest show you know it's the hip-hop cool. How y'all already set up on my good side? Like, how'd y'all know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, good, like, perfect.
0: Yeah. I don't know if I got a good side.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, know, I, I really... mean, both sides are good sides, but this side is like a. You yeah. Know,
2: really?
0: Right, so I mean, yeah, I don't know. You got a good
2: side? I think I got a good side. I don't know what side it is, like, not looking at it. Like, not, I got to look at myself in the mirror to see, oh, yeah, that's the side I like.
0: I don't know. I don't think I got any good sides.
2: Yeah, it, it I mean, it's all
1: good.
2: That's, I mean, you know what I'm saying?
1: Well, uh, this is different. This we, we is here. not the voice of Rev, you're with. No, not at all. <laughs> um, hi, everybody. Welcome to The Coolest Show. My name is Destiny Hodges. I am the assistant producer. And I'm here today with Cross and Rev, doing stuff a little different. Um, usually, y'all hear from our guests. But today, you'll be hearing from Rev, where we ask him the questions.
2: Yeah, so today, we're going to just celebrate... The happy birthday anniversary, all of that good stuff of the hip hop caucus. Which which one is it actually? It's both, right? It's both. Is it both? It's a birthday (laughs) anniversary. It's a birthday anniversary. Yeah,
0: I guess so. You know, it's the anniversary (laughs) of of,
2: of life of growth. Happy birthday! You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah,
0: the hip hop caucus is 18, grown, grown up. Yeah, grown up.
1: How you feel about that, Rev?
0: I feel amazing, actually. I feel. I feel. I feel like this was the place where this organization was supposed to be at this time in history. And if you ask me, did I know that it would be at this point, at this time in history, I I would say no. I I probably wouldn't know that. And so I got to just give a shout out to the almighty for just getting us to this point. Because I will tell you, if you think for one second that this was by any ways, the, um, you know, because of Rev Yearwood or even a few other people um, doing this, it wasn't. It was something bigger than that. Mm. I believe that it was truly because of the ancestors. I think it was because of the the moment. I think that—I think it was— because of sacrifice, meaning that people who got involved with this were willing to sacrifice themselves, put themselves back while putting the people's issues first. I think it was about hip-hop, for sure. I think hip-hop protected the hip-hop caucus because, honestly, I think if there wasn't the culture um, just keeping it a buck, I think that both sides, from both the conservative side and progressive side, would've tried to figure out a way to use the Hip Hop Caucus in a way um, that they use many entities, particularly those that are run by black, brown, indigenous, and women of color. So I think that this moment is the moment. I think we're at this time, but I also just, I think that the Caucus has a lot to be grateful for, and I'm excited to be here with y'all. I'm excited to be on the other side of the mic with y'all here on The Coolest Show.
2: Oh, definitely. Let's get a hand clap for that one. Yeah. <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. No, we Rev definitely appreciate all of that. We're gonna we're gonna get into the to the to the whole story of even yeah. how we're here, why we're here.
1: Who is Rev? You know, let's start there. Yeah, come on in, because usually we ask our guests, you know, who is so and so? What's what's your community? So let's kick right. it to you, Rev. Who is Lennox Rev Yearwood Jr. and who's your community?
0: My community is humanity. I am a person who is in sync with uh, humans, black, brown, red, male, female, straight, gay, queer, um, humans, um, theists, atheists, um, all those who are humans. Um, And my community are those who have sometimes been oppressed by the, some other humans. And so, um, and I find myself in solidarity with them. I do not like injustice. Um, I am a father. I have two amazing children, uh, King and River, um, both who are now college age and so, but they have been with me in this movement from the up and I want to just give them a shout because they, I feel, sometimes has sacrificed more than anybody. Because while people would, um, you know, be working with their father and 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 being the movement and fighting things, um, they their father had to then, you know, not be there. So I just want to thank them so much for being the amazing people and humans that they are, love them very much. Um, my background, obviously I come, my parents came to uh, America or Turtle Island um, from uh, Trinidad and Tobago. Um, my dad um, was a runner, a track star. He actually ran for and tobago in the Olympics and that's actually what kind of got him to America. Um, and so, Then my mom came here and then I was born here in uh, Louisiana, but I know we may get into all those little details, but who I am is I am a person who has found a way to literally get out of his own body and skin um, so that I am not attached to this realm um, in a way that I don't feel it sacrifice to put my bodies against the gears of the machine of injustice and to bring it to a halt, and I have somehow figured out a way to um, um, be okay with that. Which means that if I live for 40 more years, that's nice, and I'm gonna keep fighting every single day. If I live for four more days. It's also cool because I'm I'm gonna do it, fighting for my people. So um and that's how I live and that's and that's 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 why I'm here. All right. so
2: growing up, you said you're from Trinidad, Tobago, your parents are. Yeah, my parents. I'm from here. Yeah, I'm, you're, I'm, from I am from here. So, here. Yeah, tell, yeah, tell, yeah. Tell, so tell everybody where 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 were you born? Where you're from? Um and also how was it growing up as a first generation American with Caribbean parents?
0: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, you you're in this very unique position mm-hmm. where um you, your parents, being from Trinidad, will then cook and their own, and have their own culture right. from the West Indies at home, <laughs> <laughs> but then you go outside into America. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like kind of coming into like this little like space, little space hub where you kind of come into it, where yeah. it's like Trinidad, it smells like Trinidad, it feels like Trinidad, it sounds like Trinidad, and then you go back out and it's, you know, Louisiana. <laughs> so I was born. So I, was born in, so I was born in Shreveport, Louisiana, because where my my dad went to run a Grambling State. Um, so I was a I was a baby. For those who don't know, I actually have I'm I'm very I have red hair and freckles. So I, I had a, my hair was much redder than I had a big old red bush. It was like I'm bright they, they would say like brickhead. Cause it was like look, looks like the the color of bricks, mm. and so very red freckles. Um... And so, and uh, grew up there in Louisiana, but my parents who came here, my dad when he came here, again, saw was part of the the 68 Olympics, uh, saw uh, Tommy Smith and John Carlos, put their fist up Mm -hmm. in the air. And when he saw that, you know, had this, this, this mentality to be like, yo, um, one, those Americans are crazy, right. and two, I want to go to America. <laughs> yeah. But also, 68 that's a time when um, you know, Dr. King is assassinated. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there's a want to come to this country, and, that's, and that has always stuck with me, I guess, so that my whole being in this country originates with part of the symbolism of that moment. In other words, part of the struggle for black people in this country is literally what brings me to this country. Right. And so I've always found solace in that to begin. So anyways, my dad comes and then he actually then, you know, comes and then my mom comes. They 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 they're like most West Indian people, they're very hard workers and you know, they're trying to really do the immigrant life life process. Um I guess to some degree, I'm not sure if I would be called an anchor baby, but would be, would be an anchor baby, meaning that once you have a kid who was born here in some aspects, the neighbors can come over mm. so That all my uncles and aunts <laughs> <laughs> came over here. So they would like right. to thank me for right. So was, they listening, you listening, know, you owe me a lot, my uncles and aunts all young, <laughs> came here right. in that process. But right. then they went to New York and then my dad, uh, my mom, both of them, my mom is extremely studious, actually brilliant. I mean, I think you know. Hope my dad's listening. You know, I know you probably understand this, but I think my mom is smarter than you. And <laughs> and, uh, and and, and this way, and I think that it's just funny because she would then continue on to get her PhD. He would get his PhD. Okay. And then after that, he would then get a job teaching at Howard University. Word. HU. Yes, indeed. HU. You know. <laughs> which would be which would be one because I would go to school too as well, and uh, my dad would go there to To teach um, at Howard, and then he would actually, which was sociology, and, and actually in urban studies. And it's funny because he would always would talk about how if you want to understand how racism works, you need to understand planning. planning. Okay. Um, because a lot of times you don't understand that. They are literally 10 years ahead right. in right. their racism. Mm. Um, so literally right now, we're organizing for 2032, right. not even 2022. 20, um, and so, and it's unfortunate. Some of my folks are still back in twenty twelve, mm. mm. so we're twenty years behind, even where the plans are. We get into all that, but the reality is he came was there, and it was in that moment, you know, at Howard, he became like the dean of like African American studies. It used to be like a little a white trailer, folks would know Howard. So used to be a white trailer across the street from the A building, and they had, they they have since moved that, but that's where he was. He actually was upset about that. He's like, "How you're going to have African American studies at?" Howard University in this little white trailer. Right? And they fought for that. Yeah. Yeah, and they fought for that. Mm. And so when he was there, he then, I guess, got a little disenchanted with the university, but then he went and got a law degree. Mm. Like, he just was like, well, I'm gonna change up careers until so he then he PhD and then went and got a law degree mm. from Howard <laughs> while he was there. Right. And then, yeah, started doing law. And so it's crazy how that whole thing worked, but... Um, and it's funny because my dad, which is, I think, part of the process, who was very much into the movement, as he got older, to be honest, got more conservative mm. in the process. And then he kind of went into industry. Mm. And then when he he would actually go back to Trinidad and get into things like steel and oil, mm. actually, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, but long story short, I mean, that's that's my uh, how my my, my, my road kind of comes full circle to D.C. and and then back to Louisiana, when I, cause I have family and friends there, then when Katrina hits, it, it bring me back home. Yeah,
1: Yeah. and that's a lot of where the caucus started. Um, so for those who don't know, you said you're born in Shreveport. How close is that to New Orleans?
0: Not close at all, actually. That's actually very, very, very far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Shreveport actually is like, I think maybe like three, maybe four hours away. Right. Mm. Uh, so it's a good distance. So Shreveport is actually up there by Arkansas. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. It's okay. the top of the boot. If you look at the state of Louisiana, it looks like a boot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so at the top of the boot and the top of the boot, um, is Shreveport and right there is close to Dallas. So yeah. it's in that. It's Monroe. It's mm-hmm. Grambling. So that's why I actually was. It's probably more so Grambling. But yeah, and that's 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 that part. But then obviously we, my parents had friends who were all throughout the state, mm-hmm. and then. Um, they'd always see New Orleans. And I think that when, you know, when Katrina hits, um, it's funny because I would have some friends, you know, like, you know, and like people who would be like your family, you know, you know Black folks got family. Like we got like, it's, you
1: know. And a bunch of cousins. We got a yeah. bunch of cousins.
0: You know, <laughs> yeah. just like. An ain't always cousin. blood. Yeah, they're always blood. <laughs> exactly. They just, but they, but they, they family. So right. it was in that moment there that that connection happens probably more so, literally before and after Katrina. But yeah, no, I'm I'm actually not that close to New Orleans. Um I am now. I mean New Orleans is actually probably like it is probably it that is my community. Yeah, New Orleans is my community. I would say any place on this on this in this country, I would say New Orleans is my community. That'd be where I would say I would feel most comfortable going to. Um and because of this so many family are there. Mm -hmm. Trinidad. Um, But I'm a a global citizen. Mm -hmm. I I am where where black people are. Period. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So a consistent thing I've noticed about people from the Gulf is how y'all show up in community for one another. Um, And can you like paint us a picture of the culture and community of the Gulf of Louisiana? Because I think so many people only know about New Orleans and Bourbon Street and... That's it, but there's a, a bigger that's and Mardi Gras. That's you true. That's
0: the fun. The you know fun things, so I'm saying, yeah, yeah. No, no. What's the community? What's the right, culture right. there? Well, you said it right. Well, it's a community that's based upon surviving. Mm. So throughout the Gulf, which includes Alabama, yeah. obviously Mobile, um, obviously parts of Mississippi, um, and then through Louisiana and Texas, and even parts of Florida as well, would be considered. Connected there to the to the Gulf, which is obviously connected to the Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. Mexico. For those looking at the map and to see that, but the reality is this: is survival. Let me just be very clear. I think that you know, racism um, and white supremacy, and the fact that people who are black, brown, and even white allies keeping it keeping it one hundred. If you if you, you try to help people of color, you were in a position where you were you were fighting and surviving. And you had to build up your community. And so you need to do things to survive. And so you had to kind of know where people were, like literally mm-hmm. know where they were to protect them. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the culture that kind of just came up. Because if you've been to the Gulf, you can drive here, been to Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, or Texas. You can be in spots where you can be driving for a long time. Yeah and it's nothing around you mm-hmm. with just like some woods and mm-hmm. some dirt and road. And don't
1: stop at night.
0: And do not yeah. stop at night. And yeah. so when you're in those settings, it's not like when you roll, you rolling through, you're rolling through like Bethesda and Maryland or through, <laughs> as far as Atlanta. Like, you know, you got like a lot of stops and goes, but it's like, you gotta know. And so the community is really, really clear. You gotta mm-hmm. know who you're close to, where you can get to, right. you know, where you can get food, where you can't stop, and that even still exists to 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 the to mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. So I just so that's that's the crazy part about that. So I think that has brought us together, and then when things happen because of that, there's a very low trust threshold mm-hmm. for you know how the establishment will treat you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you gotta you gotta do things, and so I think we saw that with. People from New Orleans with Katrina, but we seen it way before that. Yeah. There's a need for us to take care of us. So, you know, the FUBU concept, but for us, by us, mm-hmm. was really way, way, way before that to yeah. survive. Nah, uh-huh. that's dope. So,
2: let's let's take it back to you know, young Rev growing up. Um, <laughs> young Rev, <laughs> little Rev, little
0: Rev, little Rev.
2: So, you know, we heard a lot about like you know different mentors that you've had. Uh, like Dr. Beverly Wright and uh, Dorothy Hyde. Um, so, what instilled? What, I'm sorry. What was instilled in you by these women, and what made what molded you into the young man that you were becoming, and ultimately the leader that you are today?
0: Okay, I'm gonna focus on one in particular. Okay. Um. So, I think. Well, actually, I'm not going to focus on one. I'm okay. focus on all of them. So you mentioned...
1: And there are others, so... Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just
0: gave, I just well, gave well, two. Yeah. Who are the two you just mentioned? I just said uh, Dr. Beverly Wright and Dorothy Height. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I thought you were... Okay. So there's been many, many more from that. Yeah. So I wanted to just make sure... Yeah. Shout out yeah. my mom's That's right. In right, that right, list. Right, so I, right, to, I, mean, right. I didn't know if you had set her in the list, but she has to be there. She right. has been an amazing, amazing, just powerful woman. Mm-hmm and i just want to say that black women are amazing Mm. you know and no and they sacrifice so much um because and i think that just by the nature of that they carry either a black child boy or girl or whoever in their womb there's that birthing process that goes along with that. They feel protective, and I felt mm-hmm. protected. So, um, you know, from Dr. Dorothy Height, you mentioned Dr. Dr. Wright, mm-hmm. my mom, and many, many others, um, Congressman Barbara Lee. Mm-hmm. Um, so let me just talk about Dr., Dr. Dorothy Height. So Dr. Dorothy Height, for those who don't know, was the um, president of the National Council of Negro Women she was the, one of the presidents of the Delta Sigma Theta uh, Sorority Incorporated um, um, around, you know, for many, many years. Um, she was one of the women who was there at the March on Washington and leading that effort. So it was like six organizations that was leading that effort around the March on Washington now almost 60 years ago. And she was the only one that was leading up for the black woman. Mm -hmm. So you had Dr. King doing his thing. You had John Lewis with SNCC, Dr. King with the Chris Alicia Conference, NWCP, the Urban League. You had the Union um, uh, with A. Philip Randolph. Um, Folks don't give Bayard Rustin enough credit. An amazing queer brother at the time who did so much for the movement, actually helped pull together. But that's another story to be told at the time, but one of the things there is that Dr. Dr. Um, Dr. Height was in a position where she was older, too. So mm-hmm. most of them were in their 30s. She said that, as she was called them, Martin was in his 30s, John, she would call him, mm-hmm. John Lewis was in his 20s. And they would not allow black women to speak at the March on Washington. And so they allow other folks to come and sing, mm-hmm. but there are no black women who speak. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, she don't get no credit
1: mm-hmm. for the
0: organizing she does. So the thing that I learned from her is that when she first acts me and she sees me working mm-hmm. in coalition, he's a young person, um, is that she is enthralled that I'm doing, with, at this time, the hip hop caucus. Okay. She's enthralled by that because she actually is different. The next thing I think the reason why she pulls me in, which I think is a factor for most mentors, is she sees something in you, Mm -hmm. and she obviously saw I guess something in me. But what's interesting is that when I would get to know her, she wasn't bitter about what took place at the March of Washington. And when when we would ask her, so how do you feel about that? And she, you know, she had a very regal voice. She would talk like this and be very regal. (laughs) She would say, "Oh." She would say, well, Rev, I, you know, with Martin and John, she says, the good thing is that I outlived them all. (laughs) 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 So I can be here in this moment. And then she would talk about how, you know, God has a way of preserving you. Mm. And even when she was in her her 80s, she felt like that was like her moment was still now. Yeah. Like, she was like, not even like, it wasn't like, she was in her 40s then. Mm-hmm. And then she was in her 80s when something out. And so the one thing that, that for her as a black woman, what she taught me, was that she never got jaded or bitter at black people. Mm-hmm. She never, second thing, that was one thing. She never gave up on black people. Mm-hmm. But three, the one thing that she put in me, probably the most that helps with Hip Hop Caucus, is that she was clear That building an institution, not an individual, was the most important thing you could do. And in that, as an institution, you had to handle your business. Right. So she would talk about how she burnt the mortgage because she has the only black building on Pennsylvania Avenue. For those who are listening, if you ever do see the inauguration, march down Pennsylvania Avenue, going past the archives that goes from the Capitol to the White House, no, nobody of a person of color owns anything uh, on that walk except for Dr. Height's building. Mm. And so she owns the only building that's not owned by a non person of color mm. on 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 that on that road and so that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And so she taught that about being strategic. And so for me and hop Caucus, the first thing that I've always tried to do is one, you know, never get jaded or bitter mm-hmm. at my community. Never never give up. Um, never never be in a position where I um, um am, am frustrated. Mm. At even those who I think are not doing me right. 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 And and handle my business. Yeah. And so I think with hip hop caucus, that was the probably the, the key thing in anything, is that the caucus was an organization now that people look at, oh my God, it's doing so good. It's so wonderful. Mm-hmm. It literally had just taken the one thing but not the height was that we had to handle our business right. for the long term. And also, to be honest, as much as I have done personally. I could list out my resume, mm-hmm. none of that matters. Yeah. Because the only thing that matters is if your people are free. Mm-hmm. And the words of mm-hmm. Fan Lou Hamer, another powerful black who wasn't a mentor, but who obviously did amazing work, was she would say, ain't nobody free until we all free. Mm-hmm. And so if your people are dying like dogs in the street, and you ain't living, and you think you got it made, That ain't how this works. As long as they hurting, you hurting. And that's the thing that she taught me most. And now, it's funny that all of these other black women who i have been around, Congressman Barbara Lee, uh, Dr. Beverly Wright, my mama, the list goes on and on. And then there's so many. I mean, there's so many who are just around. um, They just talk so much. Now, I want to say this, too. Uh, People say, well, Rev, are you putting down... Black men, no, I've had a lot of men, um, a lot of I've had I've had men, I've had women, I've had my non-binary folks who've put so much into me. I mean, that's the everybody's put into me from all sides. What I would say this about my brothers is this: the one thing that I've noticed is that we are intended and we are supposed. And we have to be kings. Mm. Um, that's very important. The thing, sometimes I think, though, is that we get caught up into um, not understanding the long term game right. of what freedom supposed to look like, and then we 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 more so that our sisters go into kind of building our own stuff up mm-hmm. and not building up the community. Yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful that we can we can fix that. Yeah. And and I'm saying that in a nice way. I hope people are reading between the lines when I say all that, but yeah, that's kind of
2: yeah. like the you know, you got to be a, a follower to be a good leader. Mm-hmm.
1: You
0: yeah. know. No, you you do. Yeah. You do. Well, and we got to know our position. Yeah, you got to you got to yeah. know you got to know your yeah. position. I think right. sometimes you just got to know your position. Yeah. And you got to be okay with that when you cuz it's the thing though. I think and this is and I hope this if nothing else, hip Hop caucus. You know, hip caucus turns 18, it's wonderful. I'm actually very excited about mm-hmm. that. But honestly, um, what I really want to happen is this. i let me say this too. Mm-hmm. The part about and your part, your question, Destiny, earlier about my community. My community sometimes causes me to have nightmares and when i mean by that not the community i'm not, not about the community mm-hmm. but what's been done to the community yeah when i think about the fact that when i think about my people who are literally starving to death not only because they don't have food to eat mm-hmm. but because corporations intentionally don't put food in their community right they're being poisoned to death not because they're drinking poison, but because people are intentionally putting poison in their communities. Right. They're literally going crazy. Mm-hmm. Not because they're just going crazy, because people are doing things to literally cause them to go crazy. And when you see these things, it causes you to have nightmares. Right. When you see things like you've seen from Hurricane Katrina, when you've seen things like George Floyd or many, many, or Breonna Taylor, it literally causes you to be in a position where you're like, man, that causes me nightmares. Yeah. And if you're a black person, we're sometimes living through a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And so the Hip Hop Caucus is literally in a position, I hope, that can cause us to maybe break some of the nightmares that we are having too much of, not only on this continent, and here in America, on Turtle Island, but even in the continent of Africa mm-hmm. and around the globe. Our people are literally having nightmares. Yeah. And we got to fix that. Yeah, yeah so uh, um, so like
2: your father, you also went to a HBCU uh, where you were an athlete. And it, a lot of people don't know, him, you know like You hoop, you know what I'm saying? You I did. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> well, my,
0: my mom played netball, which is a, okay. people, don't, people don't know what netball is. No, boy. I don't know what netball is. You don't it, know netball? It, you got to check it out. Actually, it was clowned on, on Instagram. It'd be clowned because it's like a, it's like a basketball hoop with no backboard. Okay. And so.
1: Wait a minute.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's yeah. Like, is it the, the, the rim with the net on it? Yeah. That's like laundry. That's like how you like. How yeah, it's like <laughs> it's like that,
0: but it's cool. It's crazy, but it it's looked. I mean, it looks crazy because we so used to basketball. Yeah. But in like other countries, they play netball. Gotcha. So yeah, so she played netball, which was okay. basketball, which is what okay. I played. So okay. so mom, so I followed mom, that's mom, mom, what's yeah, what's so up. mom played D one, yeah, mom, yeah, mom, yeah, and I definitely did play. I was I was played basketball and was uh was good. I yeah. mean, you know, let's, let's, you know, I was good. Yeah. You know, so, so you also was the uh, the student
2: government association
0: president. Um, well, it first shout out to U- UDC, okay, University UDC, of yeah. yeah, of Columbia, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. my alma. You know what I mean? So that's why I went to. Uh, I graduated from undergrad first. They wanted me to ask you what year it was, but I ain't gonna put you out there like oh, that. Man, it was a while ago. <laughs> no, no, no. It was. It was. It was in. It was in the nineties. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry, okay. That's not bad. That's
1: not bad. That era. You know what I'm that's era. Yeah. 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 was yeah, when yeah, yeah.
0: it was. It was. <laughs> that's no, funny. that's what it was. Oh, Okay. But so before that, I, I I had actually went to University of Maryland, Baltimore County, okay. UMBC, playing basketball, but. So when I went to school, because of my my parents, this is the thing, I was very much aware aware of my people. Right. Which is very important. So I'll just take a note here. If mm-hmm. you should, if you have a child, and I don't care who you are, uh, uh, teach your child not just the history, they teach you in schools. Right. Teach your child all of the history that goes on. So I was very much aware of that. Yeah. So when I went to UMBC, I chose that, to go there to play basketball. was also was a, a, a black professor who's amazing named Acklin Lynch. Okay. And so I went to, went, to, went to go to school. And so what I realized then was that there was a kind of a things that would hit because being kind of, what now people say woke, I guess, would be the mm-hmm. thing then, but just being, what was going on at that time in going to umbc and being engaged with with the black student union right um it was a lot of pressure i was literally actually getting in fist fights mm. like literally was we were the students who we were literally walking across campus and and be other students who weren't not black students they would be we would literally get in fist fights so and uh you know, listen. I was good in basketball. I was good in fighting too. So you know, I'm saying it was it was what it was. So that was what. Right. So when you, when you win those fights, you get yeah. called into the, you get called into your dean's office and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then um, had a friend who was killed in a car accident, Eric, Eric Boyd. May um, he rest in peace. Um, never got. I was at this. We were at the same party. Um, I didn't drink um, because I was playing basketball. He didn't drink because he just didn't drink. And then uh, I left um, and then he got into a car and the, so I, I would have been in the car and then the car flipped over mm-hmm. and that I, I hit me hard because I was like, man, I, I was 100% gonna be in that car. And so when the car flipped in, they called me and said Eric had, had died. I mean, he was from Teanac, New Jersey, my man. Cause like, he was also like my hip hop, he was like my, he was like my, my first hip hop, we was mm-hmm. gonna hang out, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then when he died, I was like, "Oh man!" So, but that going on, and then the school just being crazy with just mm-hmm. pushing against the black students. I went, I had to, and I had to go back to my roots, which was yeah. a black college. But by that time, my dad had left Howard. Right. Was was crazy about that? My dad was like, "Well, because at that time, if you were if you were if you taught at Howard, I'm still now, but you could just your kids can go to school with for like a discount right, or whatever okay. it was. Right, right. Sounds I, like I don't know it's something I'm not still as today, yeah. but back then you could do that. But he was like, "Well, you in school, you playing ball, you good. Yeah. And so I can now go off do the law mm-hmm. stuff. So then I was like, "Well, now. So then I was like, "Oh man. So I met this uh, this coach named Will Jones, but he rest in peace. with him, and then and and uh. Then end up going to UDC, mm. and then there it was. So I went to UDC. I was there to play uh, to play basketball. What, uh, what what position you play? Well, I'm short. So I play point
2: guard. I was just checking. They <laughs> force
0: you, yeah. No, they I force you. you. you know. Well, I mean, I'm short. Short for I mean for basketball standards. You know, I'm not short for a, a person standard. Yeah. But but uh, but yeah, you know, which is funny. Cause I would tell them all the time, you know, if if I don't make it playing basketball. You know, I'm 5'10, you know what I'm saying? 5'9, so I'm good. If if you don't make it <laughs> at six nine six ten, Ooh. you're going to get asked all your life. You play basketball? <laughs> so I, don't, I don't ever get asked that question.
1: definitely be asked. I, don't get, right, I don't right, ever get asked. Right, right.
0: You're going to be asked that question at 50. Like, like, yeah, <laughs> you right, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right. So I have everybody. Yeah. Says, you, be, you, be, you up there selling shoes now. Look at you. You not know. not Yo, yeah. <laughs> So I mean, there I'm no just You do Yeah. yeah, yeah that's so funny. that was UDC. But I went to UDC, yeah, and I was bro, always been really good to books. I mean, yeah. always was good to books. I was for So I was getting... And so I had straight A's yeah. at there, and then a professor left, and they gave everybody in the class. They just he just rolled, They mm-hmm. gave everybody in the class a B. Okay, and so I was cool. I was I, I wasn't hating on nobody. You know if they if they if they even they they was like everybody getting the B. So they, yeah. The folks who to not sure was happy because like, oh right. man I was really gonna get a D. I was gonna fail this right, class. I get right, right. the B, but for me, like yo. I got a 4.0, Right, I'm trying to keep the 4.0 magic going on. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Y'all need to find my man's, find my man's grade so right. I, <laughs> I get my A. Okay. And they refused. And uh. so it ended up that, you know, the little thing like that, it was like, all right, so now I got a got a B. But then I, when I was going, because I was fighting the process, I was like, oh man, I know what I'm gonna do. And I was like, I'm, I'm gonna get involved with student government. But when oh. I went to student government at the time, they wasn't really trying to help. I was like, man, yeah. this is messed up. And They were like, "Oh, just be happy with the B." Be happy with the B, right? I said, "Y'all, y'all be happy with the B." Nah, right. and I was, I was like, "So then, we, we gotta change this." And so then, yeah, I ran for student government president, and I won. It was crazy. Yeah. And then right after that, uh, there was, but well, right before that, there was uh, UDC had shut down. Some shout out to Kiemsha, which was a student revolt that we had, or student uprising that we had at UDC. And it was very successful, but uh, my brother, uh, Mark Thompson now, who actually is on the radio, mm-hmm. himself. Um, but uh, we did that, and uh, yeah, that was my UDC days. But I was playing ball, I was SGA president. Um, you helped
1: the, save the university, didn't you?
0: I did, well, a couple of times, actually. <laughs> yeah, a couple of times. Well, Save it meaning that they were trying to move it. Right. Um, from where it was. People don't know, UDC is in located and I believe it's Ward 4, I can't remember it now, Ward 4, but it's over there on Connecticut Avenue. which was right near the embassies, and near, near, near the zoo, so to speak. In D.C. In D.C., yeah. Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so this was the, the first time I realized that people thought that the land was more important than the people. Mm-hmm. And they were willing to steal the land. So they wanted that like it was quote unquote valuable, and they wanted because it was this UDC University of Columbia. They wanted to move it to southeast, which is cool, but not for the reason they wanted to move it. They
1: didn't push all the black folks to southeast. And, mm-hmm. well, well,
0: that not was any so anymore. that was there thing, but that was a, and so we so we fought against it because we felt it was very important for us to be where we were, yeah. right? And yeah. so we fought to have it there, and so that was one time we fought for um, the law school to be saved. So I was actually very I was honored a few years ago as and this is funny because I was honored a few years ago as being um, considered one of the the number one alum from UDC. Mm. Yeah. okay, and well, they, and that's, and, that's, and that another was another hand clap,
2: another hand. Clap. Yeah, no, no, no. And that was that was amazing. And I was I was
0: talking about that. I was talking about, man. If I had, this is one of things, y'all. How the how the how the Almighty works is because if I had gone to Howard, where I probably would have gone undergrad I didn't, I didn't go to Howard for grad but and then what I would have gone to like if I stayed at University of Maryland Baltimore uh, County they've had a lot of different people and when I first went to UDC which District of Columbia what happens there is this is a is really the backbone for what we do now when I went there people were clowning UDC because it was a city college gotcha and it was a school where anybody could go there, right? What I realized, this is the first thing, is that when you put yourself with your people and you literally, you can can be the one to help your community rise. Mm -hmm. Too many people are running to go to Harvard and Yale Mm -hmm. to make them, or even Howard in some cases, to yeah. make them who they need to be. Right. What's great now is that I went to UDC. And this is the start of all y'all, but when you are true to yourself and your people, now the folks at Harvard and Yale work for me who graduated from UDC. And that's what I'm trying to say. I signed their paychecks. Right. Okay. And so <laughs> what I'm saying is that is that but it's it's when you're true to yourself. And I think a lot of us are so busy running behind other institutions, mm-hmm. particularly that wasn't made for us, they're so busy to run behind them that they actually don't build things up. Right. And so it was actually, and, and also they build themselves up. So it was in that, I, I felt, because for the first time at UDC is when I also felt free. I mean, mm-hmm. I felt like I could, it was in that moment that I went from there, I became a White House, I was a White House intern. Right. Um, um, and that was that was ninety three.
2: Was that after the SGA? During I was I
0: during was there. During. Yeah, no the so, SGA. Yeah. Did, so did that?
2: So did that all that influence like going in, going into like when you got to school right UDC you playing basketball? Were you thinking I want to get into all of this things? So or did the circumstances that that no, you said was happening? The only kinda, reason
0: why I was doing all that was how could I use this to help my people? Gotcha. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm telling y'all, yeah. listen, my young people out there listening, I'm telling you, I'm not saying that what happened in my life is what's gonna happen in your life, but I'm gonna tell you something, I feel pretty confident to know this, mm. that if you put the people first, you will be blessed with everything you need. Too many of y'all running around here trying to figure it out for yourselves when you are so committed to your people's freedom and liberation, things will be added to you. Mm-hmm. You hustling backwards. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm saying is just that, is that that my intention was just how could I get better? Mm-hmm. How could I be the best to fight? To, I could be the best freedom fighter. Right. And so that's what I'm saying, and it just kept getting added. Now it was hard times. I mean, right. it was. I mean, it was what it mm-hmm. was. I mean, we was out there in the streets fighting for UDC, and it, and it always felt like a struggle. It was then we was fighting for DC statehood. We fighting for the city itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in that, in that they process, they still fighting. Right, we still
1: fighting.
0: No, we we still fighting, right, we, no, we, <laughs> we still fighting mm-hmm. that, and so that would be an ongoing. But what I'm saying is that man, it was in those moments that I went and got the internship at the White House, not to be. Because clearly, I'm gonna tell you one of my one of my craziest moments uh, at the White House is that when they came to me and so said you could be an intern, I'm like, well, cool. You know, I can get in there and, and get it popping. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So the first thing that time we had R- R- Rwanda was going on. Mm. And I never forget it was like the genocide in Africa, and you know I was real, I was real, I'm still real tied to my sisters and brothers on the continent. So Mm -hmm. one of the things there is that when so Bill Clinton was there, and we had to do something called Student Appreciation That was my one assignment. I was in, I was in a correspondence office where you do the switch with the mail, right? And I was doing something called Student Appreciation Day. It was my little assignment they give you when you intern the White House. And so they brought us all in to see uh, Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Right, but Rwanda was going on heavy. So then, uh, you know, I felt, you know, I was, you know, I was, I was young, you know. I don't want to say Destiny's age. I was, I was around Destiny's age <clears> at the time, <throat> at that time. And so, uh, you know, President Clinton came in. And they were going through the whole formality, right? Mm-hmm. Like this is going, just come and give you your award, shake your hand, meet the president, mm-hmm. thanks for doing your internship, mm-hmm. keep it moving. Mm-hmm. So I was like, no, nah, people dying in Rwanda, right. genocide, right? Right. You the president. Right. Make it happen. Right. Right. So, what's going on? Right. What's Look. going on? Uh-huh. So he came on the line to shake hands. Uh-huh. And so when he shook my hand, I try I try I try I try to pull him close. And I was uh-huh. like, you know, Mr. President, I was yeah, was respectful. Yeah. Mr. President. Yeah. Mr. President, uh, what's what you gonna do about, you know, Rwanda? Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh-huh. And so he said, uh, you know, President Clinton, like, oh, you know, you know, he's, you know, you know, he was being, uh, oh, you know, we gonna working on that. You yeah. He, he tried to, to pull his hand away from me, <laughs> and so I kind of did a whole, I, I, I did this, the southeast handshake. I kind of pulled him back in, <laughs> like, yo, I'm talking to you. It's the president. <laughs> it's the president. What you gonna do about Rwanda This is like twenty some year old rev Yeah, duh, duh. <laughs> And you know, so he's like, uh, yeah, you know, that's a good question. You know, he had to, you know, Bill Clinton. You oh, know, well, you know, that's a good question. You know, what I'm saying. Yeah. And so, and so he tried to pull it again. So then I tried. I said, no, I, I pulled him again, uh, Mr. President. I'm serious. This is serious. I, Black people is dying. Yeah. At that time, I didn't realize. And I, I actually, I kind of owe my life probably to Bill Clinton in this process. <laughs> in this process. <laughs> I didn't realize that this is that. And then he pulled me close. Yeah. Like, no, he pulled me up yeah. and said, man, that's a real nice tie you got on there. I am looking at my tie. I was like, and at that time, too, I I I you know I was a college student. I had went to Georgetown, <laughs> and I had bought this real nice silk tie. Like, okay. It was $8. One thing okay. I could buy, it, it was $8 tie. On that first thing, you know, you got a little bit of money to buy. It was a tie with a cowboy scene on it, that okay. little at the, at the bottom. I said, yeah, yeah, it's a nice tie. I'm like, but you know, what's going on? They know you know, what's going with that? He said, he pulled me in tight. That's a real nice tie you got on there. And then I looked up and I realized <laughs> that Secret Service was realized I'm holding the president's hand. Golly. And they has had to pull their coats back and they know what's oh, going man. on. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I realized, he said, Oh, and I looked around, and I said, Oh, this tie? But you go, well, you can have this top. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Whoa, this top. Take it. I took it off. You can, you can have this. Oh, so you, can, you can, Yo, have this top. That's hilarious. Sniped <laughs> out. <laughs> uh, and oh man, oh man, yeah, they're yeah. about to take you and out. It Almost took got, me got. Out. No. About to take you out. and I gave him the top, and then it was gave scra- I up. gave him the top, <laughs> and then he actually sent me a personalized note though. Mm. I was like. And I just found it actually. It's crazy. I just found I just found a note. Um, it was like, "Thank you, man. Keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah. Man. Thank you for the tie. Mm. And it was crazy. But I, I never forget that in that moment. So I got I actually, if I I got as people say, man, that's more of a, a fun fact. Bill Clinton saved Rev. was life. Right. You know. Right. With, you know. But but that was. But those moments there, I don't forget because even in those moments. Um, you know, later on in life, I would be outside that same White House Mm. and I'd be getting arrested, Mm -hmm. you know, fighting for the people.
1: Well, for those of y'all listening, as you can see, (laughs) this is a lengthy and interesting story. Uh, We didn't even know that stuff about Rev. So we'll be back on the second episode, the second part of this story to find out more about the caucus, uh, more about what happened after that spark, that moment, and where we are today. So listen to episode two.
0: Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit theCoolestShow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100%, which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to repeat. It's the coolest show you know. It's the coolest show you know.